Welcome to the Dermalorian Podcast from the Dermatology Education Foundation. With so many tools available to help dermatology clinicians in the exam room, it can be hard to keep track. For nurse practitioners Joe Gorelick and Leanne Ponch and physician assistant Darren West, there are a few go-tos that truly improve their ability to diagnose, treat, and educate. Speaking at Derm 2022, they discuss their favorite tools and resources, many of which are free or low cost. Ms. Ponch kicked off with a discussion of Lang's Pocket Guide to Diagnostic Tests and Fitzpatrick's Dermatology Flashcards. First is this little handy dandy book called The Pocket Guide to Diagnostic Tests. Um, I use this, goodness, probably at least once a day. Uh, It's very small and uh, it really helps me with the tests that I need to order for various um, things from infections to thyroid disease and how do I rule that out to lupus antibodies. Um, Pretty much everything is in here, including the latest and greatest recommendations about what specific tests to order. Uh, There are some diagnostic algorithms in the back of this that I find to be incredibly helpful, uh, especially when I'm ruling out hepatitis or I'm trying to figure out if someone has uh, hyper hypothyroid disease associated maybe with their uh, skin condition. Uh, there's also the, the, newest, uh, the newest update includes some cost information, which I find incredibly um, useful for some patients as well. I don't know if you've seen these, um, but I'll tell you, uh, when I was first in practice, uh, these little cards, I like studied them, uh, possibly, um, you know, late at night in my bed and, you know, flipping through. There's some really concise information along with these amazing pictures. And one of the things that I think I underestimated about, I think I use this more in my pediatric world. I see a lot of pediatric patients. Uh, Sometimes they... They appreciate the ability to see how their disease state looks in other people. And the nice things uh, about these little resources here, their differential diagnosis cards, they're easily cleaned because they're laminated. And so uh, I use these a lot of times with patients who are maybe a little bit questioning um, or just to reassure them, hey, you're not the only one with this condition. And I find them to be really, really helpful at this stage of my career, more so for my patients than for myself, but they're an incredible resource uh, if you're a newbie. And there's one specific to adults, and then the other is for pediatric dermatology, and it does include some genodermatoses as well. Other resources, uh, you know, just sometimes, obviously, the time that we have with patients is very limited. And I think sometimes with these disease states, we tend to overwhelm them with information in the room. And it's wonderful to be able to refer them to these organizations that really partner for education and for research. We also want to try to control what they're reading. uh, And I find these organizations to be some of the ones that I recommend the most often. And I would say don't hesitate to have little cards or little um, pieces of information Uh, So patients can take these home and go to the website later to pull up information and really um, kind of reiterates what you discussed from an educational standpoint in the visit. And then 
I'll just end with when all else fails and you really need a great resource, uh, don't forget to ask a, a friend or a peer or one of your collaborating providers. Uh, I think sometimes, uh, you know, this looks different in various, um, various situations. Sometimes it's that my patient did not respond to therapy the way that I would expect. Or maybe this is a really interesting case and it's not quite presenting the way that it does in the textbook. Or maybe uh, you put them on a therapy and something really unusual happened. And I think there's a myriad of, of, of things that really lead me at this point in my life to pull in an extra set of eyes. I think it is definitely not about me. It's about the patient. And at this stage in my career, I love when there are challenging cases and I get to put a lot of eyes on this patient and really understand what's the best way to treat this condition. If you're unsure in any way, if something's just a little off, if your patient isn't um, maybe giving you the full picture uh, and you just need someone to reinforce uh, what you're saying, don't hesitate. And um, oftentimes just identifying who is good for what. Uh, I know there's one of the physicians in my practice who is very, um, he's very concise and uh, he will just look at a patient and in essence say, stop it. <laughs> and I, I really appreciate that at times when, when I'm, you know, trying to tell them to please discontinue all of your, um, your um, you know, all of these supplements because I, I think they're actually causing rash and we have to kind of restart them one at a time and he'll come in and just, you know, level it out. And um, I use them for many other things along those lines, but it's really, really helpful. You know, we have so many resources today at our fingertips. And to your point, point, Leanne, our colleagues, we sit next to every single day, and I sit next to two or three people in, in, in my practice, as we probably all do, and we should absolutely look to them for resources, as a resource. Um, you know, us older guys that have been doing it for a while, we get a little bit set in our ways, but it's very comforting that we can still talk to somebody, and we need it sometimes. You know, never, never be afraid of doing that. All right, so we have everything at our fingertips, don't we? I mean, that's literally amazing. When I started this, I had a scut monkey and I had a couple of books. I was carrying hot beef around with me, you know, in my backpack. That, it, that's still fine, but it's just so much easier today with everything that we have in front of us. Dermnet NZ is a very, very awesome website. They've compiled so many pictures so many photos and so many therapeutic options for dermatology that it's, it's amazing. And just to have that at your fingertips is going to be very, very amazing because I don't know about you, but in my office, I don't have time to run out and grab a book and grab a, and come in and show it to my patient. But if I have my phone, sometimes I can pull the website up or have it already out. I can show a diagnosis to a patient and say, this is what you have. This is what the pictures look like. And they go, wow, that was really amazing. I didn't realize I had that. And, and, and it really clarifies things. So our phones are amazing tools. And don't be afraid to use them. And so download these, in, these resources. Have them on your phones, ready to go. I worked with a provider who had an AAD account. He was part of the AAD. And he would give me access to the physician's access portal, which... I'm not sure if you're supposed to do that, but you get more access when you do that. There's also a patient um, and public access portal for the AAD where you can get general information. 
So don't be afraid to go to the AAD's website. They have a ton of resources, a ton of information, just for all of us to use. But if you can get your provider to help you get into the AAD's website through their login, if you aren't able to get it yourself, it's a huge resource. I think I get most of my billing and coding information from the AAD website, which is really cool. Um, and, and again, drug interaction checkers. I, I haven't used the www.drugs.com that much, but it will let you know pretty much any interaction that you need for any particular drug. We don't write, you know, and sometimes we don't have time to check, but we do have newer medications that we're doing, that we've been hearing about, that we need to be a little bit more careful with what we're writing it with, and, and, and you need to have that access to these particular websites. And of course, uh, Medscape.com, that's a very important one as well. They're, they're all out there for us. You are listening to the Dermalorian podcast from the Dermatology Education Foundation. Ahead, Mr. West shares more online resources and Mr. Gorelick provides an overview of resources available through the DEF. Now, we bring you the Dermalorian clinical clip. Is it necessary to modify a patient's biologic dose in the perisurgical period, especially if the surgery may carry higher risk for infection? Dermatologist Dr. David Cohen offers practical considerations for every prescriber. Surgeon called me and said, I have to do some corrective ear surgery, and I'm worried about the dupixent. What do we do, the dupilumab, what do we do about it? And I said, if this is going to be clean surgery, um, this guy can get really bad when he's off drug. I've seen him when he's in a bad shape. So you have two choices. You continue the surgery, as I recommend, without a dose interruption, or you could take him off the medicine, feel better, and then you have his staph colonization sore, and he's gotten to scratch everywhere. So biologic drugs, you'll, you'll, we talk a lot about this at the boot camps, which are really good, very practical things. So I, I got this from Kara's deck, right? Low-risk surgery, no change in your psoriasis biologics um, or eczema biologics. High-risk surgery, dirty surgery, like they're going into bowel or GU or intertriginous areas. Maybe you say, and this is what happened, Wednesday was the surgery, his dose of dupilumab was Monday before. I said, if you want, he can hold a Monday dose because he'll only be on day 14. And then get through the surgery. If everything goes well, Thursday, Friday, he could restart it. So I'm sort of compromising. If he's getting um, sort of dirty surgery, it's usually an emergency. And you don't have time to hold a dose. And if you're given rizinkizumab, the dose is every three months. What are you going to do? Hold it and say, come back for your perforated bowel in October and we'll, we'll fix it? No. You run through it and almost every time you're going to be okay. But you could do little tweaks to it and, and, and that satisfies all the stakeholders in, in these uh, circumstances. Now let's get back to the conversation with Mr. West. One of the things that Joe and, and the DEF has been really, really good about is getting information, resources, um, videos, uh, and from past meetings onto the DEF's website, the dermnppa.org. It's free, it's incredible. You'll hear live sessions, or not live, but recorded sessions of full-length full talks on any subject, ranging from you know, immunology to acne, um, just many di different disease types. 
And so if you scroll through there, and they're, and they're quick, they're great snippets. This is, you know, several wonderful physicians, uh, Chilla Curry and, and Hillary Baldwin and Julie Harper, all of the people who we're used to hearing from, you know, for, for a lot of these conditions and other conditions. And so they're adding to this library all the time. So please, guys, get onto the DEF's website. It's for you guys. It's for everybody else. There's a foundation built and designed directly to, to bring these educational resources to all of us. Um, it's about education. And then, personally, these are my two go-tos, like every day on, an eight, on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, Epocrates, so if I have a quick, I need to do a calculation on a pediatric kid, um, you know, for an antibiotic or, you know, griseofulvin, or if I need some, you know, if I need to do a weight calculation, or check interactions, I can do Hippocrates. Hippocrates, you should have that always on your phone. Um, and it's a, great, it's a great resource. I can put every single drug one of my patients has on Hippocrates and do a quick interaction check within about three minutes. Now, you know, in, and sometimes you have to do that. We don't always have three minutes, but sometimes we need to do it. But Hippocrates is a great drug resource to just, just to see what we're doing um, with our patients in that regard. Visual DX is kind of like the other one, DermNet. I pull that out and show a picture to my patients almost once or twice a week at least on my phone and say, this is the condition you have. This is what you, you, know, you can expect. You know, they don't have access to it because it's a, or a subscription, but it's another wonderful resource. And I think we should all turn to that visual uh, diagnostic resource. So. Yeah, th those are great resources. I just want to reiterate, I think both Leanne and Darren suggested that there are good websites and resources to do uh, drug um, checks, medication checks, um, interaction checkers, and as the oral um, agents come to market for atopic dermatitis, we're going to need to do more of those checks because of potential interactions. So find one you like that's easy to use that you can get into quickly or as quickly as possible um, because we'll all be using those more and more as we go. So um, I guess we're dinosaurs, Darren, because there's textbooks up here. <laughs> but, I still have them. Yeah, so we threw up some of the textbooks that we find useful, I think, that we all learn from. Um, Andrews, very popular and comprehensive. Um, the um, Skin Diseases by Habif, again, very, very comprehensive. And that's one of the best picture books out there if you want to grab a book and show some pictures. And then comprehensive dermatologic drug therapy uh, from Wolverton is something that's sort of a gospel as well. And then I threw up this book. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but if you're not, you may want to check it out. It's called Advanced Dermatologic Therapy II by Shelley and Shelley. Um, Darren said, and Leanne just suggested also, that it's really great to get an extra set of eyes sometimes, um, even if you know what you're going to do, because there really is more than one way to skin a cat, and it's nice to see the other options, and I think that's why a lot of us are here. And so advanced, therapy, advanced dermatologic therapy has those sort of options listed in there um, in a referenced way. So if you're trying a few things and it's not working, um, this textbook is actually a fantastic resource for, to dive a little deeper. So as um, Darren and Leanne have alluded to also, um, 
we just can't get enough information, and information is changing. Uh, we're getting more new agents. The understanding of the immunology is better than ever. And so the Dermatology Education Foundation is designed to be that resource, as well as the other resources we discussed. But it's designed to be a quick reference resource, resource for us that really didn't exist for nurse practitioners and physician assistants. And it's done in a way I think you all can appreciate where the information that we deliver is not watered down. It's at the same level that it's delivered in a training session for dermatologists. And um, from the you know, highest level academicians in the world. So uh, we've created it for you. We'll continue, continue to add to it. We've got a really nice collection of videos and some recordings from previous meetings, and we'll continue to update that. So check it out um, if you have a chance. And then annually, we do at least three, if not four, biologic boot camps. The biologic boot camps were started to help us learn how to use biologics and then monitor patients on biologics, so initiation and management. And as that progressed and our therapeutic agents started coming fast and furious, we morph it. So each quarter we have a new biologic boot camp introducing the new agents and talking about struggles and challenging cases that we have in managing patients with atopic dermatitis and psoriasis. Uh, we also have some recorded content on HS as well. And we talk a lot about comorbidities in those. So Joe, they're fantastic. Just yeah. a little side note, if you came to this meeting and you are uncomfortable with biologic therapy as a whole, or you're early in the game and you just want to get some more information about how to do it, you're feeling overwhelmed in any way, attend one of those boot camps. It is a great way to really add to your knowledge base and kind of give you a lot of little buckets and a huge broad understanding of how these agents work and when do I use them in practice and what do I need to think about in terms of safety considerations. With respect to training and lack of fellowship opportunities, um, the Dermatology Education Foundation offers a grant program. We can award up to $10,000 um, to an individual to choose a field of study and go spend time in that field of study. It can be a week or two weeks, but at the end of that, you can then publish your information and we can help you do that. So um, choose your area of interest, apply through the website, it's very straightforward, and take the opportunity to go learn a little bit more about something that maybe you don't have experience in your clinical practice with. More information on the DEF grant program is available at dermnppa.org. Managing molluscum can be frustrating for clinicians as well as affected patients. In this edition's Dermalorian Derm Decoder, dermatologist Dr. Ted Rosen shares a little-known but potentially effective intervention described in the literature. I'm a firm believer in hyperthermia. Nothing could be cheaper, simpler, or safe than heat. And this is based on a Chinese study where they used an infrared device that we don't have access to, but you can use a heating pad. I'll show you the one I like to use. This was done on children and adults, 30 minutes, once weekly for 12 weeks, and majority of patients cleared. I have found this useful in both children and in adults who have suprapubic upper inner thigh or even genital molluscum. You put that heating pad on there so that it reaches a temperature of and on the box of the heating pad. It tells you what the maximum temperature is by law. 
111 degrees Fahrenheit, 44 degrees centigrade. 30 minutes, once a week. There's nothing that says you can't go past 12 weeks. If you're getting really good results and it's not totally clear, go to 13 or 14 or 15 or 16. Who the hell cares? It's heat. And this is the one I like to use. I have no financial interest in Sunbeam. I don't even know who owns them. But it's soft. It's very pliable, so you can put it around like anterior and posterior axillary lines if they have molluscum there. It fits nicely over the genitalia. I bought one and tried it. <laughs> it was warm and interesting, but it was very tolerable. It was extremely tolerable. So, and I've used this now. I'm right near three universities. I see young people with genital and perigenital molluscum every single day of my practice. This works. That sounds like an idea patients can warm to. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Dermalorian podcast from the Dermatology Education Foundation. For more information, resources, or to register for Derm 2023, visit dermnppa.org. Derm 2023 is August 3rd through 6th in Las Vegas. We'll see you there.